Are you kidding me? Lauren! I must have seen all these details. Stop looking at your phone! I'm not! I wasn't looking at my phone, I swear. Lauren, it was a close-up shot of the statue sticking out of his bag. So I've had kind of a shitty day. Really? And by that I mean, when I let Izzy inside today, she literally had shit all over her head. (laughs) So basically I go to pet her as one does when you greet your dog. And I'm like already in the process of touching her. And I'm like, what is on her head? And, And what do you think is the next logical step in this process? Washing your hands. No, you smell it. You smell, you smell your hand because that's how you know if it's mud or shit. And it wasn't like a decision. It wasn't like, am I going to smell my hand? I just smelled my hand. It was shit. So the funniest part about this is I was in the process of like sitting down to pee on the toilet when I went to pet her. And I was like, oh, God damn it. And so I had to just pull my pants up, abandon peeing immediately give her a bath and obviously wash my hands because I had shit on my hands and she had shit all over her head. How did she get shit on her head? I don't know. And Loki was shit free. I did examine him, but he looked guilty. Somehow this was his fault. Speaking of the dogs, they are inside today because my yard is a mud pit and Izzy already had a bath. So I don't want them to get muddy. They're sleeping right next to me. I hope that they'll be quiet. Why'd you give Izzy a bath? Were you not listening <laughs> to the shit story? I'm kidding. Funny. I had a shitty day. Not really. Actually, I did because, and I'm going to complain about it because hopefully by the time this episode comes out, I don't work there anymore. But uh, IRS changed how taxes work. So that was fun for me. And uh, someone brought in a cake to mark the occasion. And this might be the worst cake I have ever had in my life. I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be red velvet. Uh, no flavor. Just it was like a sponge, and the icing was fucking terrible. So, so no you one... had you had a bad day because of a mediocre free cake, and I had a bad day because my dog was covered in shit. Well, speaking of shitty day. This was not a shitty episode. That is not how I thought you were going to segue that. I definitely thought you were going to be like, uh, Michael had a shitty day. <laughs> really? Pretty much everybody had a shitty day. I mean, Walk seemed to get what he wanted out of all this. I personally feel like this is the best episode of the three parts. Oh, yeah, I would definitely agree. Part one, a lot of setup. Part two... Just kind of got us to part three. (laughs) Yeah, part two was definitely like, I understand because they aired it together. So it's hard to watch it as like its own episode because it's really, nothing's really happening. Yeah. It's just a lot of like build up to this. I really considered just doing part one by itself and part two and three together. But I thought that would just be so long. But, you know, let us know if you want a really long episode for finales that aired together. You know, maybe that's the way we'll go next time. Maybe. So, yeah, I thought it was a good episode. Do you want my synopsis? Yes, please. It's hard to give a synopsis on, like, a finale episode where it's just, like, everything's happening. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, there's not, like, a whole lot of plot. The plot was last week. This is just bam, bam, bam. Okay, here's my synopsis. The mission to open the hatch continues, and the raft sees their opportunity to be rescued. But there's just one thing. They're going to have to take the boy. (laughs) Speaking of which, I will be sending you a TikTok when we're done recording because you finally can watch a TikTok that I made months ago. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. I've got quick bits. This episode was directed by Jack Bender. No surprise. He directed the other two parts. But this episode is the final episode in which Ian Summerholder is listed as a series regular. I saw him listed like in the beginning credits or whatever. And I was like, oh, interesting. So I guess that kind of answers my question for next season. 
if we get like a Shannon flashback episode, if I guess he could still be like a guest star. Yeah, special guest star, guest star. Okay, so no more series regular. Okay. Yeah. The last two minutes contain no dialogue. It was two minutes long of that? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Bonus fact. The opening line of the season is Michael yelling Walt, and the closing line of the season is Michael yelling Walt. I did actually notice that. Sun asked Claire what Aaron means. She says she does not know, but apparently it means mountains of strength. I was really hoping that she was going to be like, I don't know what it means, but like it's my dad's name or something like that. But I mean. You want to know more about her dad, don't you? Yeah, I do. Also, why Aaron? That's a horrible name. <laughs> Was Aaron the, the father of someone in the Bible? I have no idea. It's, I don't read it's, the it's Bible. Biblical. It's biblical. And it, that'll come up. <laughs> okay. And lastly, this is the third highest rated season of Lost behind seasons four and five. All three of which are separated by one hundredth of a point. The average rating of an episode is 8.75, and no episode of season one dips below an eight. And these are all according to IMDb. Wow. Well, let's get into it. We got a lot to cover, so we're not going to waste any time. I titled this scene, well, that escalated quickly. Nailed it. The Jungle Crew continues back to the camp when they hear a familiar ticka, ticka, ticka sound and see a pillar of black smoke move quickly through the jungle. Jack looks at Kate, who says that she saw it too, and they need to get the hell out of there. Suddenly, what I think is a boar is squealing as two trees are ripped out of the ground, and the monster's roar fills the air. Jack and Locke drop their packs, but Kate does not, and everyone but Locke runs away. Locke decides to get closer, and Jack goes back for him. Did you notice the packs? Mm, like I kind of did I was like trying to figure out who dropped their packs like I kind of didn't catch it but I was like wait did everybody drop them and I just kind of got distracted the monster rips a tree out of the ground again knocking Locke to his back in a similar shot to walkabout Locke looks up at the monster but this time his face is just full of fear he gets up and runs and the monster chases him. Jack runs toward him as Kate and Hurley turn around to find that no one is behind them and Kate decides to go back for Jack. The monster grabs Locke by the leg and drags him across the jungle floor. Jack chases after him, grabs onto him, and right as the monster pulls Locke into a hole in the ground, Jack catches him. Kate runs up and Jack demands dynamite. Kate opens her bag and Jack tells her it's in his bag. She looks at him annoyed that he switched them, but he tells her to just go get it. Jack tells Locke that he's got him, and Locke tells him to just let him go. He will be okay. Jack refuses. Kate comes back with a stick of dynamite, and Jack tells her to just throw it into the hole. Locke tells her not to do that, and Jack screams at her to just do it. She chucks it in, and it detonates. The monster appears out of the ground, a cloud of smoke that recollects into a pillar and scatters off into the jungle. They stare at it in disbelief before pulling Locke out of the hole. All of this time, it was a pillar of black smoke. I'm sorry, wait. I didn't catch that. I thought the smoke was like, okay, first of all, I don't even know if I realized that there was smoke. And if I did, I think I just thought it was like from the explosion. So you mean to tell me. I literally finished this episode and was like, God damn it, we never saw the monster. (laughs) You mean to tell me you did not realize the monster was the smoke? No. Okay, but there's an explosion. Okay, what about the the pillar of black smoke that moves across the screen really fast and they're like, we got to get the hell out of here, whatever that was. I didn't see that. You have got to go back and rewatch this scene, Lauren. That, it was the reveal. (laughs) I did not catch that. It's it's a pillar of black smoke. That's the monster. Okay. Well, that's <laughs> lame. Oh, that was one of the questions I was going to ask. Is that disappointing? What were you picturing this entire time? I, I guess I don't know. Like, this episode, because, like, when it's dragging Locke, it's like, click, 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 click. You know what I mean? I was almost picturing something very, like, mechanical. 
Like, you know, in Spider-Man, um, what's the guy? Doc Ock. That guy. Something like that. You've been to Kings Island in Cincinnati. Yeah, it sounds like, uh, well, most roller coasters sound like that. But, but the yeah. beast, that little, the, the chain noise when you're going up the hill. Yeah, but all roller coasters when you're going up the hill sound like that. Maybe I was thinking, coasters. I was thinking the one where you're laying down. Firehawk? Yep, Firehawk. I cannot believe you didn't realize that that was the monster. I'm sorry. They show it like three times. Does this satisfy you? You have an answer, but it really is just more questions, I feel. I mean, it doesn't satisfy me at all. I didn't even notice it. I think you're just really bad at watching TV. I don't know. Like, Lauren, it it could not have been more obvious. It It literally was like the explosion happened. It rises out of the ground. Explain to me. Explain to me how she threw a piece of dynamite into a hole in the ground and the smoke appeared above ground. It wasn't like a bunch of dirt flew up. It came out of the ground in a big cloud before condensing and then leaving. I guess I just didn't see it in that much detail. To me, it just looked like a far off explosion. And like, that was it. I just kind of was like, Oh, that must have been like the source of the monster. And that's where the main explosion happened or something. And and that was kind of it. I didn't really give it much thought because I didn't think that was a big reveal or anything. Okay, well, it's a pillar of black smoke. Well, thanks Ex- for letting explain. me know. <laughs> explain what? Why is there a monster that is a pillar of black smoke? Oh, I have no idea. This just seems dumb. How is a how is smoke gonna hurt anybody? Well, you saw what it did to the pilot. And how come the first time Locke saw it, he was like in awe, and the second time he was terrified? Probably because its intentions were more clear. I don't know. The raft team continues to sail as Michael finds Jin's notebook. He asks about it, and Jin explains the few nautical English words that he knows. And Michael says that he hopes that he knows how lucky he is because of Sun. Jin fixes the rudder, and Michael gives him back the watch. But then Jin takes it and gives it back to Michael. Michael accepts it and thanks him. You have a note about the watch. My note was when they show Jin on the plane with the watch. And I guess I hadn't really given any thought to this watch the whole time. Like, you know, in the bathroom, the guy's like threatening him. He's like, you will deliver the watch. There has to be more to this watch. And I didn't think that until this episode when he's like looking at it and like contemplating it. But I'm like, it's it's just a watch. I understand it's like very expensive, but why send him to deliver this watch in person? You could just ship it. Right. So what do you think it is? I'm not sure. It's either like something simple, like it's stolen, so they don't want to ship it because it's like, oh, whatever, it's a big deal. But like, I feel like it's got to be something more than that. I I don't really know, but like, I'm very curious. And maybe I'm just reading too much into it. And it's like literally just a watch. What? It's just a watch, yeah. Why? Why (laughs) would you send somebody to a different continent to deliver a watch? To get them on a plane so the show can happen. Okay, whatever. I feel like it, I need more. It's like old business. You don't just ship them stuff. You got to like present it to them. They're trying to like, like they explain that he was delivering watches to business partners. Also could be a cultural thing. Okay. I just, I just feel like I needed a better reason, but that's fine. Okay. I thought about like, Letting that go for a while. You should have just really built it up. But the like, problem is they never touch on the watch again. So it would have just been a lot of build up for no, no payoff. Because I don't think you would remember that you have this theory in like five episodes. Oh, no, I probably not. I wouldn't even remember like tomorrow. Yeah. So I figured it would just be funny now to like see what I could get out of you and then just say, no, it's nothing. Okay. At the caves, Sun gives Claire some tea and asks what Aaron means. Claire says that she does not know. Sun says that Charlie and Saeed will bring him back. And Claire asks how she can know that. 
and Sutton says, because Charlie said he would. My answer would be because Saeed went. Yeah, uh, I was put in my notes. I was like, putting faith in Charlie or like relying on Charlie, not a great idea. Saeed, yeah, absolutely. Like when they were saying this, I was like, no way they're getting that baby back. And then the next scene you see Charlie and Saeed. I was like, oh, they're going to get that baby back (laughs) for sure. Charlie and Saeed run through the jungle and find Aaron's blanket against a tree. Charlie quickly grabs the blanket, which springs a trap, and a bunch of rocks fall on his head, giving him a huge gash along his forehead. And he's just pouring blood. How many times does Charlie need to be a part of or witness a trap on this island for him to think before he just rushes in? Does he really think that she's just going to leave that baby on a tree? Really? I think you're being a little hard on him. This is only the second trap he's experienced. No, that's not true. He was there when Hurley stepped on the trap. Remember? Because he was making that joke about how are we going to replace his weight? Right. So that would be the first one. No. You know what? Lock's trap does not count. No, you're right. Because I was thinking about when he was standing on that beehive. And that's not a trap. That's just bees. (laughs) That's just bees being bees. Okay, I literally had it pictured in my mind. I'm like, the bees, and then the other one. Okay. How would Danielle even set that up? You know what? I'm not sure, but that's how much I don't trust bees. Charlie calls her an animal, but Saeed says that she's been on the island for a long time and she can make her traps quickly. He then says the wound is too deep and he needs to go back. Charlie refuses to go back without Aaron, and he tells Saeed to fix him. Saeed reminds him that he's not a doctor, And Charlie tells him that he's a soldier. Do what you would do if someone was wounded. I immediately knew they were going to cauterize that wound. Ouch. Yeah. Saeed tells him that this is going to hurt and takes a single bullet, opens it, and pours the gunpowder into his wound. Which I have to imagine that would hurt. Yeah. And it's like in his eye. Charlie grunts in pain and then Saeed lights the powder, cauterizing the wound. And Charlie screams in pain as Saeed holds him down. Was that was that hottie at all? Uh no, no points were given in this scene. Really? I thought I, I just I like the think, competence. Yeah, but like all I could think was uh Charlie's gonna probably need some drugs after this. The next flashback I titled Numbers, Numbers, Numbers. I don't know if you were paying attention that closely, but this is a Hurley flashback. What do you mean if I was paying that? Are you making you'll, a joke? You'll see. Hurley wakes up and finds that the power in his hotel room is blown out, knocking out his alarm clock. He is late for his flight and cannot miss it because his mom's birthday is either today or tomorrow, depending on the time change. He runs out of room 2342. Oh, great. It's one of these. And gets to a full elevator. He decides to take the stairs and Charlie tells him that some of them have a flight to catch. He runs through the lobby, gets his car... And on the way, it breaks down. If you notice, the the speedometer has that he's gone 42 miles. The car was going 16, then 15, then 8, then 4 kilometers per hour. And it was 23 degrees Celsius out. Wow. He pulls over, ditches the car, and runs to the airport. But here's my issue with all of this, and I'm just going to say it early. The whole time, the numbers are bad. The numbers are bad. They're bad luck. All this bad stuff is happening. But in this whole case, all this stuff was working against him getting on that plane. But he got on the plane. So if anything, the numbers were good in this scenario. Like, he had to work really hard to get on the plane despite the numbers. You know what I mean? Right. It would have made more sense to me if he had missed the flight and then be like, oh, there's another flight in an hour. You're on flight 815. But it's like makes me think maybe the numbers aren't just 100% bad. So there's two schools of thought with that theory. Either the numbers aren't bad or it would have been bad luck for him to miss the flight. Keep in mind, there are five more seasons. Oh, God. Okay. Which side do you lean more towards? Well, it's hard for me to say because I haven't watched the rest of it. Like, how could him being in a plane crash possibly be a good thing? Like, I just cannot see a good, like... A- like, two episodes ago, 
you said that Jaden's son's marriage is getting saved and that this is good for them. They're free. In like a poetic sense, but not actually. They're still, well, now Jin's like fucking drowned in the ocean. So, (laughs) I mean, like, is it actually good? No. Like, that's what I'm saying is like in the grand scheme of things, is it good that he got on this plane and it crashed on an island? Like, not right now. I can't imagine that like this course of his life is better than the course where he just gets on a different plane and goes back to Australia. Maybe the curse, like not Australia, LA, maybe the curse just follows him so much that like his life was literally going to be the worst thing ever. Like his mom was going to die and everything was going to be horrible. Like, I guess that's the only way I could see, but it's like, we'd never know that unless the show is going to give us like a, sliding doors situation where it shows us what happens if they didn't get on the plane with uh gwyneth paltrow yeah i've never seen that movie why are you looking at me like that well sometimes shows do that they'll show you like alternate realities like a what if episode yeah it could also be that the numbers were or, or the curse or whatever was just actively working against whatever he wanted at the time like, he desperately wanted to make that flight, so it was just, like, bad stuff, bad stuff. Yeah, I mean, I do get that in, like, a in like a, in like a small picture situation. That, why can I not English right now? In this moment, the numbers are working against him because he, like, really wants to get on the flight. I'm looking big picture that, like, they were almost, like, helping him because if you are going with the whole thought of the show that like they're there for a reason and like you you're supposed to be on that plane and like destiny and all that shit it's almost like the numbers were like no you're not supposed to be on this plane i'm just confused but he's obviously supposed to be on the plane because his fucking numbers are everywhere on this island like there's no doubt in my mind that he was supposed to be there what was also nice about this was this was the curse how they wanted to present it in numbers where it was like oh this is just funny like, just, like, this entire sequence of events was just funny, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. But as it continues, he checks in at the airport, but they fat shame him and make him buy another ticket. Which, like, that just broke my heart. Then the check-in woman tells him that he is not at the international term- terminal. So he takes his ticket and runs to the airport. He ditches one of his bags and tries to cut the security line. One of the guards tells him to go to the back of the line as we see Arch shaming other people in the line for not taking out their electronics. We get a lot of RZT <laughs> this episode. Yeah, he just kind of pops up. I used to joke with Kate after he died. I was like, yeah, he just keeps finding ways to sneak into episodes. He gets through security and buys a scooter off an old man for $1,600. Another number. Also, he's wearing a hat with Crazy 8 on it. He arrives through the airport, passing a soccer team that has the entire number sequence from start to finish in order. Oh, my God. Did you not notice that? Did not. I have never noticed a single number ever. He gets to gate 23 right as the door closes. He begs them to let him on and the stewardess calls the cockpit and they tell him it's his lucky day. And they let him on. Not before he hugs the stewardess before boarding. Wholesome. Yeah. And then, like, a lot of people died shortly after that. I wonder if, like, if it's news that the this flight, like, disappeared, crashed, or whatever. Like, if that stewardess is, like, not, she's not a stewardess, she's a gate agent. If the gate agent was, like, oh, man, that guy that I let on at the last minute. Like, if I hadn't let him on, I would have saved his life. Hurley walks through the jungle, mumbling the numbers to himself. And Kate asks what he is saying, saying she heard the number 23. Hurley asks if that meant anything to her, and she says the reward money for was $23,000 back in Australia. Then Kate asks if the number meant anything to him, and he says no. Here's my issue with this scene. I understand it's a TV show, but bullshit. Even if I did have something relevant like that, if somebody was like, does the number 23 mean anything to you? I'd just be like, No. It's just a number. It's like my birthday is on the 23rd. I would not be like, yes, it is relevant to me. I was born on the 23rd. I'd just be like, no, it's a number. <laughs> my little Jake Chipper heart must point out that Jack was sitting in seat 23. Okay. So maybe, maybe that number means more to her. 
whatever. Jack and Locke are next to each other. Tells him that they need to spread out. But Jack says that they blow up, they blow up. Then he asks why he asked him to let him go. Locke says it was not going to hurt him. And Jack says he it was going to kill him. But Locke says he doubts it. Jack asks what is going on inside his brain. And Locke says he thinks he was being tested. He says he thinks the reason they do not see eye to eye is because Jack is a man of science, while he is a man of faith. Barf. Going all the way back to episode five, I asked you whose side you were on, and I wanted so bad to say science versus faith. So I think I said logic versus wonder. I don't remember that, but what did I say? Whose side was I on? You were on Jack's side. I'm still on Jack's side. Locke then asks him if he thinks all of this was an accident. He asks if he thinks that they crashed on this island as a coincidence. He says that they were all brought there for a purpose, for a reason. Jack asks who brought them there, and Locke says the island. He says it's no ordinary place, and the island chose them. It's destiny. Jack asks Locke if he talked about destiny with Boone, and Locke says Boone was a sacrifice the island demanded. Didn't I say that? Did I not? You said maybe the island wanted Boone out of the way before he revealed the secrets to him, and I said... Do you mean like if Boone was a sacrifice the island demanded? And you said, no, not that. (laughs) (laughs) So I basically said it is what you're saying. (laughs) I should probably start paying more attention to when you talk. But also, I feel like this just goes back to the many fights that we've had where you are spoiling things for me and you're just doing it in this little subtle, stupid, little tricky way. Stop doing that because... One of these days, I might actually catch on to your bullshit. You're talking code. (laughs) It's not code. You're literally just quoting later episodes. Yeah, but it's funny. It's funny until I catch on. Like, one day you're going to say something and I'm going to be like, oh, so you're telling me that blah, blah, blah. And and I'm going to be smart. Not today, but (laughs) one day. He says that Boone's death started them down a path that has led to all of this the path that ends at the hatch. All of it happened so they could open the hatch. Jack says they are opening the hatch to survive. And Locke says survival is relative. Jack then says he does not believe in destiny, but Locke says he does. He just does not know it yet. I have a few things to say. One, what does Locke think is going to happen when they get in the hatch? Like he sees hatch as like end game, but like, why what does he think is so special about the hatch that like this is it like does he see it as oh we can get down there and send out a signal and get rescued because he doesn't want to get rescued so i can't see that being the case so i'm just confused about that and two i would kill myself if i had to have a conversation with Locke. i can't if somebody said to me you do believe in destiny you just don't know it yet i would punch him right in the throat absolutely not don't talk to me like that. And I don't have a third point. So my third point is just going to be Locke is dumb. The way the show portrays it, I don't think Locke really knows what is in the hatch other than hope and maybe Twinkies. That's my thing. Is It's like I understand that he wants to get to the hatch. But when he's saying hatch is the end point, how? Why does he think that? It would make more believable to me if he just was like, the hatch is the next step. The island wants us to go into the hatch and then it will reveal what is next. But there has to be something after the hatch. Well, I agree with you. I do do think him coming to the conclusion that hatch is endgame is weird. He definitely has a point where everything has been pointing them towards this and, and actions have created a domino effect that leads to the hatch, if that makes sense. I agree with the domino effect thing. It's just like, to me, the dominoes don't end at the hatch. The island definitely wants them to go there based off that dream that he had. In the next flashback, Locke waits to board the plane, and he is told that the wheelchair they use to board disabled passengers is missing. He's frustrated that he may miss the flight, but two flight attendants offer to carry him on, and they do so. They buckle him in, and he opens the flight safety diagram before dropping it immediately, just out of arm's reach. That whole part was, like, weird to me because it kind of felt pointless. 
what I was expecting to happen was Jack was going to pick it up and hand it to him. That's what I felt like was going to happen. But instead, it's just like, I understand it's just showing like pre-island. He couldn't even like pick up a pamphlet and look what all he's doing now. But like, that was pretty clear when they had to carry him onto the plane. I feel like the pamphlet thing was just like, oh, we have a couple more minutes of airtime, whatever, like we can throw this in here because I'm like, yeah, I get it. They carried him onto the plane. Could be an analogy. You know, destiny is just always out of his grasp. I don't think that pamphlet was his destiny. <laughs> the jungle team arrives at the hatch. They carefully begin unloading the bags and they tell Hurley to take the extra sticks and stash them. He asks for a flashlight, which I thought was funny because he's like, torch and dynamite don't make sense. Kate runs the fuse and Locke and Jack work on the charges. In the next scene, Sawyer wants to turn the SOS equipment on because Saeed said every hour. Michael agrees for only five minutes. Sawyer tells Michael that he likes him because he has the patience of a saint and says that if Walt was his son, he would have hit him by now. Michael asks if Sawyer's dad hit him, and Sawyer tells him that his father never got the chance because he killed himself when he was eight. Oh. Is it just too much? Is that why you don't like the numbers? It's too much, and I never notice it. Not (laughs) once have I noticed. How can it be too much if you never notice? Because you're doing it all the time, and it's too much. Michael asks if that is the reason why he wants to die. Sawyer is confused, and Michael explains that he's wondered why Sawyer wants to get on the raft and rescue everyone so bad. He figures he's either a hero or he wants to die. Sawyer says he is no hero, and then the radar picks something up. Do you think Sawyer has a death wish? Hold on. I dropped something. I don't think Sawyer wants to die. I think Sawyer doesn't fear death. And there's a difference. He's not actively seeking death. Like, I don't think he's suicidal. I just think he's not afraid of it. I don't think he values his own life that much. He's just like... I really do think it's just as simple as like, I want to get off this damn island. And if I die trying, so what? I don't really think that his mission is to save everyone else, to be honest. Still love him. But I don't think that this is like some heroic act. Like he said, I'm not a hero. Right. I think the only person on that raft, not counting Walt because he's a child and his opinion doesn't matter, that wants to like actually go back and save them I, I don't think michael's against it but i think it's i think Jin is the only person that's like yeah we have to find them you know i left my wife behind yeah absolutely and it's a good thing that there is someone there that's going to be motivated by that because if it was up to sawyer absolutely not and michael's just like he wants to get his kid off the island do i think he wouldn't go back no but he even was like already saying like well it might be hard to find the island again uh, uh, not really my problem I do think it's funny that you said it's a good thing that there that there is someone motivated because I don't think they're getting very far. Well, yeah, I mean, this is me saying this pre um, disaster. But the other thing that I actually thought about a couple episodes back, I was thinking the same thing, like, oh, it's a good thing there's someone motivated to go back. It is unfortunate that he can't speak English. <laughs> I mean, they'd find a translator eventually. Imagine how much time they'd lose. I mean, obviously, Michael and Sawyer would say something. But if Jin was, like, the only one to survive and they, like, pick him up, he's just like, I'm trying to tell you there are other people. What was your immediate reaction when the radar screen started beeping? I think I just kind of was like, that's suspicious. That's weird. Yeah. (laughs) I was more just kind of like, well, that's convenient. Like, they've... It's hard because I'm like, how long... Have they been going? How far away from the island are they? They said they were 15 miles out, and it's the first night since they left. Okay. Well, I didn't hear that. And I'm just kind of like, okay, well, if someone was that close to the island, like, they could have just as easily come across the island. Like, that's what I was first thinking. Like, if they had a signal fire going, I guess 15 miles off, you're probably not going to see a signal fire. Well, the fucking others have that giant smokestack going, so... I'm not entirely sure who lit that. The others. Yeah, I I think that is who lit it. But like for a second, I was like, did Danielle like light that as a signal to make a trade? 
No, no. She used that opportunity because she was like, this means they're coming for the kid. And so I'm going to go to them and just give them the kid and try to get my own kid back. I don't think she did that. Charlie accused her of that. Yeah. But I think that's clear enough. If Charlie's accusing her of it, it's not Not true. Said and Charlie arrive at the origin of the smoke that we were just talking about. And Said says that there are no tracks, no sign of the others. Aaron begins to cry and Charlie demands that Danielle comes out. Said begins to reason with her, saying Aaron needs his mother. Danielle pops out and says that she wanted Alex back and she thought she could make a trade. While crying, Danielle gives the baby back to Said. Charlie takes Aaron and says there are no others and she started the fire. Danielle says that she heard them, that they were coming for the boy. And Charlie calls her pathetic. I am going to go ahead and just sweeping declaration uh, probably for a while now until he earns some redemption. I hate Charlie. He is probably my least favorite character right now. I hate that he is like really just like prejudice at times. He makes a lot of ableist comments, a couple fat phobic things, and it just really pisses me off. And I don't know if it took me turning into a young adult to realize that Charlie's not all that great, but like, I remember as a kid loving him and ever since the moth, because the moth was the last time I liked him. I have not had a positive thought about Charlie. I agree. My thing with Charlie is he's like very immature and like very short-sighted. Is what Danielle did okay? Good? No. Absolutely not. But look at how Saeed can have sympathy for her and like keeps telling Charlie she's a grieving mother and he's not attacking her even as he's taking the baby back that she stole. He's just like reasoning with her, like speaking to her on a human level. Whereas Charlie's just like, you're pathetic. You're a crazy person, like all this stuff. And I'm like, Charlie, it's not helpful. She's giving the baby back. Just shut up. Just shut up. Yeah. Also, Charlie did nothing. If anything, he slowed Saeed down. Yeah, he was not needed at all. And I just, like you said, he's short-sighted. How can he say the things that he does? There were no others. Her fucking baby is was is gone, and you were kidnapped by them, and you killed one of them. How can you sit there and say that there are no others? Because he's dumb. He's fucking just a, idiot. Yeah, he's dumb. Jack and Locke finish setting up the charges, and Jack doesn't trust Locke to put the fuse in the dynamite, which is very telling. Kate shows Locke the end of the fuse, and he decides that he will light it. Kate asks why Jack put the dynamite in his pack, and Jack says he made a judgment call. Kate argues that he had no right after they drew straws, and Jack says that everyone wants him to be a leader until he makes a decision that they do not like. Okay. Do I agree with Jack, like, swapping it? I mean, like, no, but at the same time, who cares? Like, I don't know why Kate... Kate's just like Sawyer. Like, she almost embraces, like, danger and death, whereas, like, Sawyer is not afraid of it. Like, if I'm Jack, I would be a little bit concerned at how much she wants to have that dynamite. Just, like, for her own sanity. And... I agree with what he said. Everyone wants me to be a leader until they don't like what I decide. And I think that's probably true for literally any leader. But I think I'm guilty of that. Not that I want Jack to be a leader, but I do question his decisions like constantly. But I think he's right. Everyone's looking to me for direction. But when I give them direction, they're arguing with me and they don't like my direction. And so at that point, I was like, yeah, he's got a point. Yeah. I'm going to throw something in there. Do I do I think he has the right? I want to say no. However, he is the leader. So maybe just like in this situation on this island, let's just like let one person make the calls. And if if shit starts going bad, we'll reevaluate that person. But with the benefit of hindsight. Had Kate been wearing that backpack, she would have been blown to smithereens because she did not think to drop her pack before she took off running into the jungle. And 
That is the only thing that I would say. It's like you were wearing your fucking backpack after all of that, and you thought you had it the entire time. And That's also, a good point. Also, without the benefit of hindsight, going in to loading up the backpack, she broke the booze. She's not careful. <laughs> okay, that's a bit of a stretch. But I think it's a good point about her running, continue to run with a backpack that she thought was full of dynamite. But going back to when you said, like, does he have the right? Like, no. But also, does she have the right to carry it? It's not her dynamite. Yeah. Like, I understand because it's like it was a random draw and she drew the stick and like she was supposed to carry it. But like at the end of the day, it's really not that big of a deal that he swapped the dynamite. Like, I think she just needs to chill. Yeah, like they they got there in the end. Only Arts died, so not like a huge loss. The only thing that I could like understand Kate's persistence to carry the dynamite is if she wanted to do it instead of Jack. But it's not like she was saying... I will carry it. You don't carry it. She's just like, I want to carry it. Yeah. Like if it would have been Jack and her who drew the short straws, like, do you think she would have put up that much of a fit? I don't know. Here's here's the real question. Do you think Jack took the dynamite from her because he was trying to protect her or because he wanted to carry dynamite? He only trusts. Had he and Kate been the ones to do it, do you think he would have allowed it? I think he took it from her to protect her. I think he is like a control freak, but I think specifically that he wanted to have control over like something that could have hurt her. If it was him and Kate and he didn't have the option to just swap it, like, cause then he would have been carrying double dynamite. I think he would have just been like, Nope, absolutely not. And like put his foot down. I think the only reason he was so what's the word adamant. No opposite of adamant resistant. No, that's, Still adamant. Nonchalant? No, kind of. Um, Cavalier. No. It's, it gets right on the tip of my tongue. It's like the definition would be like, like agreeable. Uh, I'm going to go with agreeable. I think the only reason he was so agreeable is because he just knew I'm going to switch that and she's not going to carry it. Jack says that if Kate wants to keep second guessing his decisions, she can go right ahead. But if they sur- survive the night, they're going to have a lock problem. He asks if she has his back, and she says yes. And once again, I agree. They're going to have a lock problem. Because, like I said, the dominoes do not end at the hatch. There are going to be way more decisions that have to be made in this hatch. I just know it. And fucking science and faith are going to butt heads hard. I just know it. That, you could say, is the theme of season two. And I think I said that pretty early on in season one. You also could argue that it's the theme of the entire show. Speaking of which, the decisions that you mention in the hatch announcing now will have a special guest star for episode three of season two to discuss said decision. Is it Kate? It is Kate. Okay, well. (laughs) Kate's not really going to be around much in season two because there's uh, only so many episodes that she can pop up in. So I will uh, throw her in an extra one. Hurley sees the numbers on the side of the hatch and demands that they stop what they're doing. He yells they can't do this, but Locke likes it anyway. And Hurley tries to put the fuse out, screaming the numbers are bad. Jack tackles Hurley to the ground and the hatch is blown open. This annoyed me because I'm like, if I'm Locke, even though I'm like dead set, I'm going to stop and be like, why? Why? Why can't we do it? What do you mean the numbers are bad? Like, I get why he didn't stop because Locke is like so dead set on this. But like, I just don't understand the people in this show and why they don't want more information about what Hurley is saying all the time. (laughs) Like, I would have already known Hurley's whole life story by now. This dude has something to say and they just don't want to hear it. And I need to hear it. I mean, I've heard it because I watch the show. But... They haven't watched the show, and so they they need to hear it. Yeah, Locke was never... It it doesn't matter what Hurley was going to say. Probably in his mind, it's like, it doesn't fucking matter what he's going to say. I'm blowing this fucking thing open. Yeah, like, absolutely. I know he wasn't going to stop, but, like, it just made me so mad because I'm like, don't... Aren't you curious? What do you mean the numbers are bad? Like, Locke probably would have been like, you know these numbers? You have a connection to these numbers? That's fate. I don't know if Locke knows that the numbers are on the side of the hatch. 
No, but like I'm saying, if he had stopped and Hurley had said, look at those numbers, here's the story. Yeah. Locke would have been like, blow that shit open. Locke would have been like, maybe this is how you get rid of the curse, Hurley. Maybe this is why we're all here. Yeah, it would have been something like that. Yeah. Also, it kind of would have been really annoying if, if Hurley would have been like, so this is the story. And they're like, okay, let's not blow it open. And then Arts is just looking up from hell like, what the fuck? I died for this. Back on the raft, the radar continues to beep and it appears whatever it is is getting closer. Sawyer says that they need to fire the flare, but Michael wants to err on the side of caution because they only have the one. He says it could be anything and it's getting further away. Sawyer says it knows how to steer and Michael says that they are moving. Sawyer asks if he's going to give him the flare gun or if he's going to have to take it from him. And Michael asks if he's going to shoot him. I still don't understand the judgment behind the gun. I also was going to say it would have come in handy, but it did not. (laughs) (laughs) Walt points out that the radar dot is getting further away and then urges Michael to fire the flare, which he does. Jin drops the sail and the beeping stops for a brief moment and picks back up as the dot is getting closer. A floodlight hits the raft and a small boat pulls up as the raft team starts to celebrate. Michael explains to, I'm going to call him Mr. Friendly, that they are survivors of 815. Why are you calling him that? Just because he seems so nice. I just call him like boat captain guy. Okay, well, I wrote Mr. Friendly in the notes, so I'm just going to call him that. Beardo. What was your immediate thought when you saw that boat before what happened happened? My immediate thought was like, okay, it kind of seems like maybe like a, that guy gave me like fisherman vibes. Like, I'm like, okay, are they closer to civilization than they thought that they would be running into a fishing boat in the middle of the night? I was like, that's curious, but I I wasn't really thinking much because, because here was my first thought. Okay. That's a boat. This is season one. There's no way that this is going to go well because there's so many seasons. I was like, so what is it going to be? Because there's no way that this is like, oh, they're rescued. <laughs> what I was thinking is if you're watching this show and you don't know that there's six seasons, if you're watching it as the show's released, you really would think, oh, they must not have got picked up for season two. They're rescued. <laughs> right? Like, so I feel like just because I had the knowledge of, okay, this is not how the show ends. So I just kind of was like, well, this could not possibly be good. It's a tiny boat. Small boat for the open ocean. Yeah, because in my mind, I'm still like, oh, they're like barely off the island. I was like, oh, they're they're just like, because then they say they needed to go around the island and north. Yeah. So in my mind, they were still making their way around the island. I was like, they're not even that far, which is probably true because those are the fucking others, right? They're people. They're the they're totally the others because yeah. what's her face said, she Danielle they were said for the boy. They're coming for the boy, and so Saeed even made a face, and so I feel like maybe Saeed was like shit, but he's probably like, ah, what are we gonna do? They're gone. Mister Friendly says that they need to take the boy. Michael is unsure if he heard him correctly, and Mister Friendly repeats himself, which ooh, I remember that bone chilling fear that guy. Freaked me out. Also, that guy is MC Ganey, the actor. He looked familiar. He's been in some stuff. Most actors have. So this scene was like kind of awesome. Like the way it goes from like this happy music to like they're celebrating. And then all of a sudden they're like, we're going to have to take the boy. I'm like, what? (laughs) I mean, it just it does. It's like chilling. It's awesome. Sawyer has a look that could kill. And Michael holds on to Walt, saying they're not going to take anybody. Mr. Friendly turns off the light, and Sawyer pulls his gun and immediately gets shot. Jin jumps in the water after him, and the men jump onto the raft, grab Walt, kick Michael's ass in the process, and throw him off the raft. Then they throw an explosive onto it, and the raft blows up. And as they call out to each other, Michael watches Walt be driven away on the boat. Couple things. One, I wasn't actually sure what happened in that gunfight because, like, I see Sawyer pull the gun and then I hear a shot and I see him fall into the water. So I was like, huh? But 
now you makes that makes more sense that he got shot. They must have really good night vision because the other like the other people because to have a bright a bright light and then it immediately go out and you can see that that person's pulling a gun. Like when I turn the lights off, I am fucking blind for like five minutes. I can't see anything. So that was impressive to me. Secondly, Michael, 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 hold on to your child. When they want the boy, I'm pretty sure your main priority needs to be holding on to the boy. Do I think they would have gotten Walt anyway? Yes. But like all of a sudden, Michael's in the, the scuffle. And then Walt's like, dad. And he's like, oh, shit. Yeah, my son. I better grab him. Where is he? Michael. Oh, my God. Such dad shit. Right? Like, disappointed. Going back to the fact that it was dark, Jin and Michael are, like, trying to, like, figure out where it's coming from. And they're, like, looking for it. And so it's like, what do you expect me to see? In case you haven't noticed, it's dark. The other thing I'd like to say. I want this from Jin's perspective so bad. He's like, we're rescued. And then he's probably like, oh. Got real tense little, here. It's getting a little <laughs> tense. What's going on? Oh, we're shooting. Like, I just have to know how much of that he actually understood. And at what point was he like, probably when he jumped in the water to so- save Sawyer, was he like, they're not friendly. They're not good guys. What a fucking bro move, though. Jin did not hesitate in the water. Yeah, I do love Jin. I'm assuming someone on that raft was hottie of the week. Ayo, you know it. Do you want me to hit it with you now? Nope, Absolutely. That's, that's not a sentence. Do you want me to hit you with it now? <laughs> yes. Hottie of the week is Sawyer. Why, you ask? Because he had his hair in like a half up, almost like Mulan looking bun. You know, the guy from Mulan that is definitely a cartoon character, but can still get it. Yeah, that's why. But also physical trauma, even though I just now learned that he got shot. It just it's so fitting, but it's just the hair. I was really enjoying looking at Sawyer this whole episode. The final results of Hottie of the Week. We're not going to wait till the end of the episode? Nope. Because we're talking about Hottie of the Week now. Alrighty. In last place, we have a five-way tie. I didn't even realize I gave five people a Hottie of the Week. Oh, wait. Are these... Is this everybody that I didn't give it to? Or they're just not... Okay. I I did not count anyone that didn't get Hottie. I'm not going to, I'm going to stop asking questions. We have a five-way tie between Shannon, Locke, Kate, Boone, and No Hottie. So four people and one No Hottie. All of which each have 4%. I do want to point out that Kate was the original Hottie of the Week and never got another one. And I personally feel that Shannon was more of a what the fuck Hottie of the Week than Locke was. Oh, that's bullshit. In third place, a two-way tie between Jack and Jin, both having 12%. In second place, with 20%, we have Sawyer. And in first place, with over a third of the season, the official hottie of season one is Saeed. I'm sorry. I was not paying attention. What place did Sawyer come in? Second. I actually thought he might take it. I feel like I gave him Hottie of the Week a lot. Lauren, from episodes three to nine, Saeed was Hottie of the Week every time except once. Really? (laughs) Yeah. I don't remember that. What place did Jack come in? Tied for third. How many times did I give it to Jack? You gave it to Jack 12% of the time. That's I don't want a percentage. I want a number. Uh, Two times. Three times. That's it? Three times. Huh. Jack's going to have to step it up. No, two times. That's it? Yeah, only two. That's actually shocking. I thought I gave it to him way more. Well, congratulations. You you were going to give it to him a third time, but you gave it to Boone. Mm, Okay. Well, congratulations to Saeed on some random chick thinking that you're hot. Actually, you would have given it to Jack only once had Saeed not been dating a a 20-year-old. 
Well, he still prevailed despite his creepy tendencies and his fingernails. In the last two minutes of the episode, we get several scenes with no dialogue. The first of which, Charlie and Saeed return Aaron to Claire, and Claire hugs Charlie. Again, he did nothing. Shannon smiles at the baby in the reunion and finds Saeed washing his face. She runs into his arms and they embrace. Charlie cleans his wounds and Claire helps, but he has a Virgin Mary statue in his bag. Uh Was that your reaction? I did not notice it. Are you (laughs) shitting me? (laughs) Lauren! I must just see all these details. Stop looking at your phone! I'm not! I wasn't looking at my phone, I swear. It was a close-up shot of the statue sticking out of his bag. Maybe I was taking notes. I don't know. You were the most unobservant person. Well, it's a good thing you write such a detailed script. Are you finally willing to admit that the notes are important? Nah. We get a flashback of the survivors of Oceanic 815 boarding the plane. And all of these shots really just show you how much they have changed and also how little they have changed. Claire struggles with her bag. Kate is in handcuffs. Sawyer just looks angry. Saeed gets racially profiled, but he has his pictures of Nadia. Uh, Jin stares at the watch. Michael buckles Walt in, and Walt doesn't even look at him. Shannon can't find her inhaler, but Boone, we get one last look at Boone, gives it to her, and she smiles at him before it quickly fades away. It was like kind of like a half-assed smile that immediately turned into a frown. Hurley boards the plane in a sweaty mess and gives Walt a thumbs up and reads his comic book. You didn't see that coming, did you? What? The comic book. The Spanish comic book? It's Hurley's. I bet you didn't see that one coming. Okay, well, a couple things. One, um, I didn't notice that. (laughs) But I do remember us talking about it. Ha ha, good joke. Thank you. Did you notice anything? Did you watch this episode? Yeah, I clearly had so much good shit to say. It's just a couple things went unnoticed. And lastly, Jack and Locke share a look as Jack sits down. And the final scene, Jack and Locke jump onto the top of the hatch and move the door out of the way. They look down the hole, and as the camera sinks down, it's dark. There's a ladder that's broken like five rungs down, and it's a long drop. And that is how season one of Lost ends. I loved the Quentin Tarantino shot. Do you know that every Quentin Tarantino movie has a shot like that? In Quentin Tarantino movies, it'll be like from inside the trunk, they're like looking down. Mm. So the shot from inside the hatch looking up at them, you know what I mean? Loved that. That was cool. Good finale. Good season. Good show? Question mark? I'm into it. I I will say that. I'm into it. Uh, I'm trying to reflect back on the predictions I made. Obviously, I was a little bit off with the raft. I thought they were going to, like, capsize. But they are in the water. (laughs) It did not go well. One of them was shot. (laughs) I'm going to go points for Lauren on that one. Um, They are into the hatch, but we don't get to see anything in the hatch. So, obviously, that'll be... Season well, they, they got the door open. I don't know how in they are. That's a long way down. Well, we don't know how long. It's It'll be fine. They've got, like, ropes and shit. I'm sure they'll be like... All on the raft. <laughs> they'll be like, thank God for those rope smugglers. <laughs> thank God for the emergency foldable ladder smugglers that were on the plane. Anyway, hey. I'm excited for season two. And... If you're excited for season two, I got questions. Oh, well, you weren't talking. Christ. You were talking. Well, you weren't saying anything. <laughs> I had a really good segue. What do you think lies ahead? So we've Walt has been kidnapped. The hatch is open. Some of them are stranded at sea. Uh okay. They're gonna get in the hatch. 
probably pretty quick. I feel like, you know what? Knowing this show, it's going to take like five fucking episodes for them to get (laughs) inside the hatch. That's my guess right now. Five episodes before we actually see the inside of that hatch. That's what I think. Here's what I'm wondering with the whole Walt situation. Well, here's the issue. If the raft people don't make it back to the island, nobody will know that Walt is missing. And so nobody will even be able to look for him. But I feel like they have to get back somehow. Like, if what I was saying is right, where they were circling the island and so they're actually still pretty close to it, I'm going to go like they're going to end up back on the island and somehow make their way back to the people. Be like, uh, surprise, we're back. And also, Walt is taken. And here's what I want to know. Is this going to be the same shit as when Claire was missing? And like, there's very little effort to find him. I feel like it'll be way more urgent because it's a child and like his dad is there. But I just remember when Claire was missing, they just kept being like, we're looking for her. But like, they weren't. They were not looking for her. And so I'm like, are they even going to look for Walt? And I do think, I'm just going to say it, the tailies, I think we're going to meet some tailies. Do you mean the back of the planers? Back of the planers. I was adapting your term. I thought we agreed that your term was better than mine. Yeah, we're, we're going with the tailies. Okay, well, I think we're going to meet some tailies. I feel like... Yeah, because with Sawyer not being, like, a part of the main island right now, we don't even get that, like, love triangle going on. And I'm just going to say this right now because I was thinking it earlier. You talk about Jate a lot. To the point where I think that that might be the relationship that prevails. And I'm already pissed about it. Because I want Sawyer to find love. What? I will point out one of my all-time favorite ships is Oliver and Laurel on Arrow, and that did not prevail, so my ships mean nothing. (laughs) Okay, but I just feel like I'm going to get disappointed, and Sawyer's not going to find love, and I want that for him, and I'm saying that now. Any other predictions? I think Charlie will relapse. That's my final prediction. All right, I'm sending you that TikTok I referenced earlier. I'm just going to let you know, it's extremely dated, and it was a bit niche when it started. Okay, I'm so excited. Hmm. Same Kohler shared a video. (laughs) Can I read the comment? Oh, it's just a a death thing. A skull. A death (laughs) thing. Hey, that's probably one of our most liked things. Now I can add a like to it. Actually, I think our most liked, let me see real quick. Well, it's probably that one. Our most liked has 271 likes on it, but you're not allowed to watch it. Really? Yeah. Which one is that? Can't tell you because then you want to look at it. It's not the one that went viral? Nope. That one has 173, though. Aw, man, I want to know. Well, this is sad. I hate not being able to watch it. I can send you this one, too. You know, what's funny is when I was watching that scene, I was like, oh, this is funny. This would make a good TikTok <laughs> when he's riding the little like cart through the thing. Yeah. All right. Last thing before we close the book on season one. And it's mainly focusing on season two. Do you have a prediction on who gets the first centric of season two? I'm going to have to go. A strong guess of either Jack or lock. Okay, I'm going to give you the title. Let's see if it helps you narrow it down. Okay. The title is Man of Science, Man of Faith. Fuck you. <laughs> um, <laughs> is, is it only eccentric for one of them? It's not like a combo? Yes. I'm going to go Jack just because I feel like he's the main character. You are correct. Yes. I'd like to say when we had that random phone call many months ago and decided to make this podcast. I never thought we would make it through season one. (laughs) I don't know if I thought we'd ever record anything, but here we are and we didn't kill each other. And I'm very proud of us. We have, you know, won so many awards. Just kidding. You know, it's a shitty podcast with great listeners, super smart people. Are you referring to the listeners or us? (laughs) Oh, the listeners, we are dumb. We are dumb people. I'm very excited to get into season two. And if you listeners are excited, am I allowed to segue now? Yes. Okay. 
I'm very excited to get into season two. And if you listeners are excited, I will. What's the word? Fuck. I had this already. I will fuck. No. I will fuck all of you. Shut up. Let me start over. And if you listeners are excited for season two, the good news is we're not taking a break. We'll be back next week with season two. Uh, You know, we're not good enough to take breaks. We don't deserve breaks. We want this over as quickly as possible. Absolutely. If we stop for even a week, we will never get back to it because we both suck as people. So next week, season two, Zane, what's the name of the episode? You just said it. I remember man of science, man of faith. Zane has promised me, so I'm going to really put the pressure on him. He has promised me a compilation video of all of our bloopers from recording this podcast. So if you want to see that, go check it out on TikTok at laurengetslost.pod. And also, when I was home for Christmas, Zane and I, with our favorite producer, Kate, we were discussing maybe some bonus content on YouTube, question mark. So if that's something that you would be interested in as listeners slash potential viewers, please let us know. You can DM us. You can comment on our TikTok videos, our Instagram posts at Lauren Gets Lost Pod, or tweet us. If someone checks that, I'm not sure if anyone's checking that. Sure. I check it. There's just nothing to check. (laughs) Awesome. At Lauren Gets Lost on Twitter. You can also post in our Facebook group, Lauren Gets Lost Podcast. Facebook page. It's a group, isn't it? It's just a page. It's a page. Anyway, if you super duper love us and you want to give us a gift at the end of season one, you can do so in the link in our episode description. Please give us five stars. Leave us a review and join us next week for the start of season two. You gotta make your own kind of music. Why are you doing that? I don't know. I hate that. Stop. Thank you for listening to Lauren Gets Lost. This podcast is hosted by and edited by Zane Kohler, co-host by Lauren Kohler with producer Kate Worcester, and our music is done by David Kohler. And remember, they were not dead the whole time. Thank you.